Hello, welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, hosted by me, Jack Perks. Professionally, I'm a wildlife cameraman, but I dabble in podcasting, and each Tuesday we release an episode as I have a chat with scientists, artists, filmmakers, and passionate people all about nature in a light-hearted and certainly not serious way. Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks, and today I'm doing this podcast from my kitchen. And the reason it's from my kitchen is I'm doing the Big Garden Bird Watch. This is something that the RSPB do at the end of January. Each year. Rosie, get out of the bin! Sorry, that's my, <laughs> that's my puppy trying to get in the bin. You little shit. Uh, I feel like the dogs will probably make a few cameos in this episode. It's been going since 1979. And it is a bit of citizen science. So the idea being that you spend an hour looking into your garden and you record all the different bird species that have been seen and how many of those species have been seen. Now, it's 2023 when I'm doing this. Last year, 700,000 people took part in it. So this is truly a national uh, pastime almost, almost event in the birding calendar. Now, we've lost around 38 million birds from UK skies in the last 50 years. So these sort of citizen science surveys are incredibly important to tell us what birds are doing well and what birds are not doing well. So it's just gone eight o'clock. So for the next hour, you're going to join me as we stare out my window and see what comes along. In that time, I'm going to talk about some of the results that the Big Garden Birdwatch has revealed over the years. Uh, what birds I've seen in my garden in the past, what are the requirements for the Big Garden Bird Watch, and also how you can encourage birds into your garden. So let's get into today's episode. So what's the criteria? Well, you don't have to be a member of the RSPB. Anyone can do it. And essentially, you count the birds that you see land in your garden, your balcony, or your local park. I know we all want to count birds that fly over, but don't do that. They have to physically land in your garden. Now my garden is modest I suppose, I mean I don't know the parameters of it, it's maybe five meters by five, it's pretty square, so it's not a huge garden but we do get birds in it. It's not prolific if I'm perfectly honest with you and I'll come on to that in a little bit when I talk about my my garden bird list and what I attract but hopefully we get something. The important thing with these surveys is it's just as important if you get nothing as if you get something. Because if you don't record anything, that's still important data. So as of yet, I am not seeing anything, actually. Well, when I put the bird, because I've just put some bird food out, I did hear robins calling, but they've not landed in the garden, so I can't count it yet. There's a, what is that? I think that's a herringle flying. But again, I can't count that because it's not landed in my garden. Well, while we're waiting for birds to turn up, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've done to attract birds into my garden. I am actually thinking about doing a podcast on my wildlife garden. If any of you follow my YouTube channel, um, Jack Perks Wildlife Media, you'll know that I do quite a lot of videos on wildlife gardening. And I've turned my, my modest garden into a little mini nature reserve. There's videos on like how I dug my pond and my wildflower meadow and etc. and stuff like that. And I have tried to encourage birds, but I'll be completely honest with you. 
it's not prolific. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is cats, which, look, I'm not going to get into the whole cat thing. If you're a regular listener, you'll know my, my thoughts on cats. But there are a hell of a lot of cats in the neighbourhood. That's not ideal. The other trouble is that I don't have a lot of cover for birds in my garden. So to the right of my garden, I've got a Pythagora bush. I've got a Budlia bush. Um, and then a couple of spindly bushes that I've planted, which over the years will mature. But at the minute, there's not a lot of cover there. I've then got a cherry tree. That's where my bird uh, table is. And then I've got some other kind of native hedgerow that I've planted, but it's not established yet. So probably in five or six years, when all that has bushed out, that's going to be brilliant for birds. Lots of cover, places to hide, places to nest. But at the minute, my garden's pretty open and it's pretty bare. Birds like cover. If you can have trees, hedges, bushes, that's what birds like. And if you're picking a place to put your bird feeder... Uh, or your bird table, near bushes is, is best because they've got somewhere to land, they've got somewhere to hide if a predator does come along. There are some trees to the right of my garden, in, in a neighbour's garden, but then apart from that, the rest of my neighbourhood... Let me just take a slurp of tea. I need this this early in the morning. Oh, It's pretty bare. So I always think even if you've got the best wildlife garden in the world, if your neighbours have got bugger all... It's like a sort of small oasis in the desert, but ideally you want to be interconnecting. So I haven't got a huge breadth of birds here anyway, unfortunately. But as I say, I've planted bushes and I think that's one of the key things you can do to help birds. Obviously feeding them. I mean, I'm sure we all feed the birds. I haven't got feeders. All I've got is a, is a standing bird table and then occasionally I'll hang fat balls off that as well, purely because... I think once I get more cover, I'll maybe add more traditional feeders. But at the moment, I'm just using that, and that seems to work well. I've got a few bird boxes in the garden. Nothing's nested in them. I did have a couple of blue tits. Check them out last year, but nothing went in there. So I'm doing a little bit for the birds, but not masses, purely because I don't have many. But you could argue, if you don't help them, they're not going to come. So I think the two main things, plant lots of bushes, trees, hedges and feed the birds, which is pretty obvious, I suppose. The wildflower meadow in of itself, I suppose, will help birds because that's going to int introduce lots of insects. And often I've got um, climbing rows, and in the spring, that's full of aphids, and the birds love that. The sparrows and the blue tits will be on that. Still pretty quiet on the bird front, but why we're still keeping an eye out? Oh, no. Uh, I, <laughs> I saw something on my neighbour's chip, which wouldn't count anyway because it's not in my garden. We have had wagtails um, in the area, but I don't think that's a wagtail. Well, anyway, that, that brings me on nicely to uh, two pigeons, two feral pigeons flew over, um, to my garden bird list. So I never used to keep a garden bird list, but it's something I've done more recently and I quite enjoy recording what happens in the, in the garden. Now, my criteria is slightly different to the big garden bird watch criteria because I'll just count anything because I want a big list. So for my bird list, it's if I see it in my garden, if I see it fly over my garden, and if I see it uh, land in my garden, then it all counts. So to confirm, this is my bird list, not the RSPB's one. 
So what have I got? Well, it's modest, but I'm going to read through the species that I've seen in my garden. I've been here two and a half years. So we've got great tip, which was only recently, actually. Um, there's some common species, like, I mean, I've never had a chaffinch in my garden. So there's a few common stuff that I've not seen or I've only seen once. And I've only ever seen one great tit in my garden. Blue tits are fairly uh, regular visitors. They come in pretty often. The robin, uh, we're pretty good mates, me and the robin. So I'll be digging around the garden, he'll follow me and get worms. And robins actually do that because in you know before they were humans, they would have followed wild boar. And when the wild boar are snuffling in the dirt, they'll get worms. Now, we've lost wild boar mostly from the UK, but there's lots of gardeners. So the robin's just attached to gardeners instead. So if you ever wonder why a robin's so friendly, it's because they've been doing it for millennia with, uh, with boar. I do get house sparrows. Uh, certainly in, in the village I live in, you get them all around, occasionally in the garden, not regularly. We do occasionally get house sparrows. I've seen one wren. I mean, another really common bird. I've only ever seen one wren in my garden. Starlings, uh, they do nest in my neighbour's roof, so occasionally see them popping in and out. They will occasionally land in the garden. And they're great mimics. My neighbour's uh, starling actually does a fantastic impression of... A buzzard, a really, really good buzzard. I'm sure it does a wolf whistle as well. God knows it's not got that from me, but it does do that. Blackbirds are pretty regular. They were eating my Pythagora berries uh, the other day. I had three three blackbirds on there, and they often come down to the pond to, to drink as well. I've heard a green woodpecker, because I live near some, uh, some woods not too far from me, uh, but I haven't seen one in the garden. Wood pigeon. Now, if we're going to get any bird in this hour... I'll be amazed if it's not a wood pigeon. And I can actually see one on my neighbour's roof. It's not in my garden, so I'm not counting it yet. But wood pigeons, I mean, a lot of people poo-poo them. And yeah, you know, it's not a kingfisher, but they are pretty birds. And if one lands, I will coo over a wood pigeon because I'd like to get something today. But that's the most common bird probably in my garden. I have seen grey herons fly over. I'll be honest with you, I don't really want them in my garden because I've got uh, a few ponds and they'd have a field day with my fish. So uh, grey herons, they can fly over all they want. Don't want them in the garden. Do get magpies. Had those in the garden. Jackdaws, crows. One of the best birds I've had physically land in the garden is a grey wagtail. And that was last winter. And we had a grey wagtail that visited my pond for a few days. So even though it's called a grey wagtail, they have got hints of yellow on them. Pied wagtail also coming in the winter. Don't land in the garden very often, but I'll see them on the roof. Sparrowhawks, pretty regular flying over. And we get red kites, which in Nottinghamshire are not common, but we are seeing them increasingly more. I'm pretty sure they must be breeding in the county now. One of the lovely things at this time of year in January is I'll let my dogs out at night and uh, you'll hear the tawnies calling. So I say I'm not too far from some woods, so I'll just let the dogs out and you'll hear these tawnies. So I counted tawnies. Buzzards occasionally fly over. Black-headed gulls are pretty common. Herring gulls are common. Dunnock's another bird I would potentially expect today. Um, we do get dunnocks. Collared doves are in the area. Later in the year, there's two birds to sometimes see. Swallows are pretty irregular, but I have seen the odd swallow. The bird we get a lot in the summer is swifts. And I used to live in a bungalow before I lived here, so we obviously didn't get swifts there. But sitting in my garden... In the summer, kind of low, warm sun on me, 
G&T in my hand and Swift's calling above is one of the absolute pleasures. I love that. The sound of Swift's is phenomenal. So I have to admit, I really enjoy listening to the Swift's when the summer comes. Feral pigeons, I mean, we've seen a couple fly over already. Uh, Grey lag and geese have flew, flown over. Pheasants, goldfinch. And the other day, I haven't actually added it to my list yet, but got field fear fly over the garden when we had the, the cold snap. So that is my list, which is roughly 20-something birds, something like that. I'm sure many of you at home have probably got a much more impressive list than that. And I would also say the vast majority of those are flyovers. I think this, if I actually did birds that physically landed in my garden, probably only be about six species. So my garden is uh, pretty piss poor, for lack of a better word. But let's have a look at last year's results, and that should hopefully give us an idea of what this year's Big garden, bird, uh, big garden bird watch results will be and obviously once they collect all the data they publish it so you can find out what's doing well. So last year the most common bird was the house sparrow which you know they have had massive declines and they are a UK red list bird but that's obviously quite encouraging that they were the most recorded bird. Number two is blue tip then starling then wood pigeon at number four You've got blackbird, robin and goldfinch, great tit, magpie, chaffinch. So, I mean, none of those are particular shockers, are they? All fantastic birds that turn up in our gardens. Although I haven't had a chaffinch, I would love a chaffinch or a greenfinch. I think if I was going to have any dream bird visit my garden, and I'm talking about one that could actually visit it, it would be a toss-up between waxwings which I have had in, when, when I lived in the bungalow, I had waxwings in my front garden because I'd, I had a small berry bush and uh, it was amazing. I absolutely, I nearly shit myself. I was so happy to have these waxwings in my front garden. The other one I'd absolutely love is bullfinch. I think bullfinch are really underrated. They are, when you see a male bullfinch, particularly with a light on it, they're stunning birds and I've never had one in my garden. I haven't seen that many, to be honest. They're not a bird that I've got a lot of experience with. There's a few wood pigeons teasing me. A load of them are just flying over. Come on. I've never wanted a wood pigeon to land in my garden so much in my life. Oh, 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 we've got our first bird. Get in. It's not a blank. So, I did call it earlier. It's a wood pigeon. And most people poo-poo them, as I say. But they're a beautiful bird. They are very, very pretty. Looking at this one's chest, it's sort of got like a purpley light mauve to the chest. It's got that pale gray blue on the head and obviously that kind of fat overall look to them. Think about turtle doves, which are very pretty in themselves. But if you swapped turtle doves and wood pigeons around, I think people would still coo over the wood pigeon. I think it's just human nature to be more interested in the rear thing. But because we see wood pigeons all over the place, we generally get a bit kind of easy with them. I suppose because they also have the habit of eating all the food. So he's he's eyeing up. He's not on the table yet. He's just sat on my fence, which I think that counts. But he'll probably polish off most of that food. I mean, they, they do eat a lot of uh, a lot of bird food. If pigeons are a problem, you can get like wire mesh to stop them getting at your bird tables. But I, I don't mind feeding the wood pigeons, you know. They got to eat as well, haven't they? But that's good. We've got our first bird. I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. 
in terms of what you actually need to do this, I mean, you can take binoculars. It's probably a good excuse to have binoculars just so you can sort of have a good look at the birds. Now my dog's pitter-pattering. What's up, Rosie? Oh, you're having a drink. All right. That's good. I'll just pick all the audio of you up. You could bring binoculars, like I say. I, I don't think you necessarily need it. Depends how big your garden is, I suppose. If your garden's massive, you might need binoculars. I think the the best thing is grab yourself a cup of tea, grab yourself a biscuit if you want to be extravagant, maybe get yourself, a if you're old school like me, a bird ID book. I mean, I'm not expecting anything to turn up. Oh, what was that? Now, they were maybe starlings flying over. Um, yeah, I said, I'm not expecting anything really weird to turn up. But you can have the bird book. I imagine that the Big Garden Bird Watch is a great way to introduce kids because they haven't got to go anywhere. They haven't got to go somewhere they don't know. And you can kind of get them excited about, about the garden and about wildlife. So maybe the binoculars are a good idea, actually, if you want to try and get kids excited about nature. Pigeon's still on the fence. It's not committed to the bird tag. It might be because it can see me. And I'm, I mean, I'm just literally sat at my window or stood at my window. And he might be a bit like, well, what's, what's Jack doing this morning? He's just been staring at me for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, first name turns with this pigeon. We're obviously good friends. It'd be nice to get one or two more bird species, but um, you never know. We've got time. We're about half an hour in so far. So we've got another half an hour. If I was going to put a bet on, if I was a betting man, I'd say maybe Robin. Might get a Robin. And then probably Blackbird, potentially. But we'll see. We'll see. So those starlings I saw fly over earlier, they've landed on a neighbour's roof. So I don't know if I can count. I think it has to be a garden. I think I'm right in saying that. But they're just going on the roof tiles and having a mooch around in the moss, so presumably looking for grubs. But it's interesting, isn't it, how you can see birds from your garden, but they don't always land in your garden. So, I mean, these starlings nest less than 10 metres from where I feed the birds, but I don't think I've ever seen um, starlings actually on my bird feeder which is weird. We've just got bird number two, which is blue tits, which is lovely. A pair of blue tits has just flitted by, landed in the tree in my garden. Only briefly, but I'm counting that. Well, it was in my garden, so of course I'm counting it. But yeah, I'm assuming this is the same resident pair. So I see a pair of blue tits fairly regularly, and I'm hoping that they maybe choose to nest in the garden this year. They, I mean, not forced to be the same blue tits, but last year I did have a pair and they were looking at nest boxes in my garden, but they didn't quite fully commit to one. I'd love to get them nesting in the garden, but as I said earlier, I think until I've got more bushes and trees, just a little bit more cover, I don't think that they're going to nest here. But I've got three boxes. I've got one on my coal shed, or it was a coal shed, I just use it to fishing tackle now. I've got one in, in the actual cherry tree, uh, and I've got one on my house, actually physically on my house, so... None of them are in use at the minute. So we're on three birds, two species. So that's good. We're getting there. It's not a blank. Well, I tell you what, I was poo-pooing the idea of binoculars. But there's been a couple of times now when 
I've seen little things fly over and I, I'm not confident in saying what they were. And actually, I regret not having binoculars. So I will take that back. For the big garden bird watch, bring yourself binoculars because that could have been a new bird on my list. And I'm pleased to tell you, we've got another bird species turn up, which is the collared dove, which I haven't seen for a while. There's a pair of them that hang around here. And again, they're a beautiful bird. Really, really pretty. The interesting thing with collared doves is they weren't really present in the UK prior to the 1950s. They massively expanded their range. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why they did that. But from the 1950s onwards, they just spread throughout the UK. And you find them everywhere. This is a natural spread, I should say. They just migrated over from Europe. But they're all over the UK now. But interestingly, yeah, pre-1950s, collared doves just weren't really a thing. But I do see them. He's just perched just perched on the uh, chimney top at the minute, and hopefully that will fly down into my garden. But they often do, oh, it's calling. Probably can't hear that very well, um, because it's in my kitchen. Talk. <laughs> it's half eight in the morning, I'm in my pyjamas and I'm talking to a collared dove. Oh God, what am I doing in my life? <laughs> well, we've come to the end of my big garden bird watch. I've spared you the entire hour and we ended up with three species of bird, collared dove, wood pigeon and blue tit with two blue tits. So four birds in total. Just had two pied wagtails fly over the garden. But as per RSPB rules, we can't count those. So four birds in an hour. Uh, on paper doesn't sound that good, but it's all data that will feed back to the RSPB and hopefully be useful for them. If you are listening to this just after the actual RSPB Birdwatch, you can still submit your data, I think up to a week or two after, so you don't have to rush to do it. You've got plenty of time to submit that. Hopefully this has given you some ideas on what you can do in your own garden, and if you did do the big garden Birdwatch yourself, hopefully you did better than I did. Now, Next week, we have got Hannah Rudd on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about British seas, threats to British seas, and also her new book, surprisingly called Britain's Living Seas. We also mentioned sharks. She's absolutely mad on sharks. So that's going to be a great episode. As always, if you can support the podcast in any way, we greatly appreciate if you can donate to buymeacoffee.com. There's a link in the description to that, and that's the only way that we raise any money um, from the podcast so if you can donate to that that is greatly appreciated and if you want to give us a follow on social media the podcast social media is twitter at titbearded and facebook the bearded tits podcast and you can follow me on instagram at fish twitcher hopefully you've enjoyed this one and i will see you next tuesday cheers <laughs>